1: object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes you leave the light on after bedtime i always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody a real nobody are we gonna air it of course not Paul Vitti. I know. I feel great. Never felt better. A mob boss with a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got stressed. <laughs> Based on everything I'd say, you had an anxiety attack. I'm, i need to find your a doctor, like a psychiatrist. Dr. Sobel? Listen, mister, you can't come in here. This is a patient's private session. You know me? Yes. No, you don't. Okay. You see my picture on the paper? Yes. No, you didn't. He's got problems. You've got accent, you got an accent. Analyze this. In my world, I deal with animals, doctor.
0: Want to be everybody? Get away from the car.
1: What is my goal here? To make you a happy, well-adjusted gangster? I'm very angry, and I'm trying to get some some closure. Closure on that. You get a dictionary and find out what this closure is. Warner Brothers presents Robert De Niro. I couldn't do it last night. Do you mean sexually? No, I mean for the big game against Michigan State. Of course, sexy Billy Crystal.
0: I am here, as is Consigli gallery. You want a fresh
1: one? And Lisa Kudrow. Uh, my wedding is ruined because you've got... In the story of a gangster who couldn't kill anymore, and the psychiatrist who must cure him. Get rid of the shrink. He knows too much already. It's okay. I wasn't really gonna whack him. Oh, uh, all right. Maybe I was gonna whack him. I was. I was. I was real conflicted about it. Analyze this. All right. Analyze this. You. You take us. Take us out, Michael. Take us out on this. Uh, take this us is in the
0: first. Take us in. uh Deep into this one first time watch for me, you know, I I thought I had seen this or at least seen part of it. Um, just because I guess it, it became such a popular part of the, the culture, uh, due in no small part to the Sopranos having a similar premise of becoming, uh, such a sensation launching, I guess the, what a lot of people call the golden age of television. But upon watching it, I realized I don't think I'd seen a single scene of this. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised that there was so much new material, but, uh, as I mentioned, The Sopranos. That's pretty much the reason I never watched this film. I, uh, in my teenage years, in particular, I think I was a little bit more judgmental than I am now, and I saw this as uh, what people would call today is like dad humor, like the just nothing that would uh, interest a sixteen-year-old. So I, I went for the more adult fare in The Sopranos and uh, avoided this. So it's, you know, I, it's a little weird watching it now because. I believe uh this at least was the start of the uh, I don't want to call it second act. I don't know what act it would be, but uh Robert De Niro becoming a uh popular comedic figure
1: at the uh the box
0: office. Uh I don't know if you is there another film that uh, sort um, of broke him open the, comedically? uh
1: the one uh, we we did. Um the road movie Midnight Run, Midnight Run.
0: <laughs> See, but I uh, you know I I feel like he's not I mean he is funny in that uh, but he's not, I mean, he, he's still playing like a, a real guy in, in, in this film, and I don't know King, if you King, think of, it King it. of
1: comedy, <laughs> which was a <laughs> yeah. bomb anyways, but you know, he, yeah. he's pretty funny in that one.
0: Uh, he's also a lot scarier in that than he is in analyze this, uh, a little bit terrifying at times. Uh, but one, I, one issue I, I had strangely
1: empathetic, uh, sorry oh to keep God. interrupting. You. I, I don't <laughs> want
0: to get into that on this. <laughs> that, that is going completely different direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one issue I had with the the film watching now, and it may just be that I'm coming to it in 2017, and as opposed to 1999, is uh, the many uh, references to De Niro sort of taking on his persona. There's a, a godfather uh, dream sequence uh, here, and I do have to admit, you know, I, I made fun of my teenage self for, for staying away from this and being so jaded, but I don't think I laughed once when I watched this. I'm not saying the movie's bad, but as a comedy, I was one of those things like, "Oh, that's kind of cute," um, and I was entertained for the most part. But yeah, I don't think this is some sort of uh, hidden gem that I'm kicking myself uh, for not seeing. What about what about yourself?
1: Well, I mean, I'm just gonna say first, you know, first thing here, I'm shocked because it's co-written by your god uh, Kenneth Lonergan <laughs> that you could say such horrible things about his work. Uh, you know, That's How dare you!
0: in my, uh, obituary <laughs> worshiped at the altar of Kenneth Lonergan. I like that. You're God. Um, yeah, I was, you know what? I felt bad when I saw that credit come up that I, I was not swayed. Uh, so I just have to assume that, uh, his original genius was just stamped out by Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro and Held Ramos. That's what I'm,
1: I'm believing and you can't convince me otherwise. Do, do you think he regrets some of his work on this screenplay? Kenneth Lonergan? I'm making I'm uh, making a call back to 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 your podcast, which no one will get, so
0: <laughs> uh yeah, that's what you, you said about um Manchester by the Sea, which uh won him an Oscar. But uh you know, I don't think uh I don't think Lonergan even to analyze this, which I'm not clearly not a big fan of. I, I doubt he re- regrets it. I think he, he probably saw it as like a a good gig. And I don't think he's probably too bitter about how it turned out. But I'm-
1: I'm stretching this out because I think you and I feel exactly the same way about this movie. Oh, no. um, <laughs> yeah, I thought you would really like it.
0: I, as I was watching this, I thought like, oh, this is something. Ben Zook, he's going to have a really interesting take. I was like, uh, this seems like something that he would be a fan of. So that actually surprises me.
1: Well, I have a very different perspective from you because I didn't watch The Sopranos at all really while, mm. while it was on. Um, that was, I mean, to me, that was something that my parents would watch and I kind of avoided it because they were watching it, um, kind of thing. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I was like, what, uh, 13 and you're, you're like 17 at this time, correct?
0: 16. Yeah, that's what oh, I was. Okay.
1: Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that would have made much of a difference, uh, if I was older or not. Uh, my only, my first real exposure to The Sopranos, the first episode I ever watched from beginning to end was basically the last one, uh, because I could, I could hear, my my mom watching it when it was airing and then you know they got to that now famous ending um and, and i just hear hear her uh kind of lose it and try to start fixing the tv um and <laughs> so i had no exposure to to that whole thing and i know you that's kind of breaks why my heart
0: a little bit ben that, why? That, that was your that your first exposure
1: to the sopranos was the the ending everyone talked about that ending. Like I would have heard about it eventually. Uh, It's one of those things. And and it doesn't really ruin it for you because I have since then gone back and rewatched the whole series and I really liked it. And I think I really, I think I really probably got more out of it um, watching it that way, as opposed to being surprised by by the ending. Hmm. Um, But getting back to analyze this, this is another, like this is another kind of throwaway pay-per-view Thing that I watch while I was doing homework, probably. And I am, this is a, the first movie since we've been doing this where I feel like my reaction to it is remarkably different from the, uh, from when I saw it, uh, you know, originally. And, um, I remember thinking it was funny. It was a light comedy. It wasn't really like spectacular or anything, but it was, it was watchable. And I think part of that, is just that this high concept or whatever is a little bit fresher in 1999 than it is today. Even sure. mob humor itself, you know, we've seen a lot of that, a lot of that, Um, you know, at this point. And I remember there was that stupid Netflix series everyone was trying to watch, make me watch, and I can't remember the name of it.
0: So it was um, one of the uh, Sopranos actors? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I can't. I never watched <laughs> it
1: either. I thought maybe you remember the name, I don't remember the name either one of netflix's uh,
0: many many failures that they threw up against the wall,
1: but like a, like again, it was just kind of it's very it's very similar. it's oh we've got mobsters, but they're funny kind of thing, um so even getting beyond the whole sopranos connection, just in general mob mobster comedies and everything are a little bit more played out today and and I, and I yeah, I had a similar reaction, I think I laughed maybe five or six times. And those were at all at the times when it was lines that I really remembered. You know what I do when I'm mad, Paul? I hit a pillow. Just hit the pillow. See how you feel. There's your fucking pillow. Feel better? Yeah, I do. Good. You know, that's still a pretty funny joke. But like outside of that, I didn't find new jokes to like about it uh, i think it really falls apart in the third act even beyond just like being a watchable comedy kind of thing like there's some stuff that really doesn't work i think it's it's too
0: it's too big and you know a lot of time, a lot of the things we've sort of lamented on this podcast up to this point uh is even some of the successes from 1999 just would have no shot at, at getting produced now and uh, yeah, I think you make a good point that the mob humor humor has been sort of well-mined at this point. Uh, I thought that if it came out today, even with De Niro, he's gone back to the well so much mm-hmm. that this would be like that uh, recent uh, Zach Braff paycheck gig he did with Morgan Freeman about the old guys robbing the bank that came out like a month ago. I don't know. It would just be something where it's like, oh, that's a movie for old people. Look at old mm-hmm. people doing funny things. Uh, and yeah, this was at the time. This was it's too. I was shocked at watching this comedic work where I do enjoy De Niro's presence so much, even if it's something that I'm well, you know, expecting at this point, him to take down his persona. Billy Crystal, not so much, but Harold Ramis, how many times they go to gunfights or fight scenes or. Uh, changing scenery, going to Miami, going back to New York. It, it just feels like they're putting on too much of a production. It feels honestly like a waste of money for something where you just have De Niro and Crystal get in a room and you could probably have mm-hmm. similar comedic beats. It may even work better if you just pare it down to this this sort of odd couple scenario, as opposed to uh, having time out to have someone's life threatened, which I, I just didn't get. And, uh, I found found plotting, really. Like Lisa Kudrow here <laughs> and the whole thing with the, the wedding uh, is, I mean, I know she's meant to be a buzzkill to some extent in the film. But, I mean, she's a buzzkill for me uh, as the audience watching it. I just feel like it slows it down way too much. And I just want to get back to the core of the story, which is these two different guys from a very different walk of life. Um, and that's all you need. And it was, it was weird because I, I don't want to keep going back to Sopranos, but I feel like – I laugh more probably in your average episode of The Sopranos than I did in this film, which is labeled a comedy. Uh, I don't know. It's a film that doesn't have too much interest in really showing um, Crystal's character helping De Niro become a better man because they keep they keep going back to the same joke the the you that and De Niro pointing his finger yeah. at him like I don't know they never really talk too
1: much. Yo. No, no, you, you're very good, you. No, you are very good. There's you. a lot more to it than that. You're They're, very good, you. There are underlying things. you Understand me? You no, do. you're right. You're right on the money. No. I can feel the juices rushing back in my balls as we speak. Well, that's something I never thought I'd hear another man say to me. That settles it. You are my shrink. Oh no, 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 no! I couldn't miss the video. You're not, you're not ready for this. You, you're not ready to open up. You're not a good candidate. Listen for two- to you. What? The fucking honesty. That's it. You don't understand. Nobody, nobody talks to me like that. You understand? You understand? Yes, I do. That's it. Let's do it. I'm ready. You don't hear the word no very often, do you? I hear it all the time. Only it's more like no, please, no, no.
0: I don't know. I was just for it to be so high concept. It really tries to avoid the very concept itself. It's it's very surprising to me. This was, you know, such a uh, such a spring. I guess hit. I don't. Let's see what the numbers were. I think it did 100 million. Yeah, 100 million domestic, 70 million foreign. So yeah, this was a this was a hit in spring of 99 and um I don't know. I just this is one that uh I have to say in 2017 uh I think I would be glad that it probably wouldn't be as big of a hit. This is this is the first one on this podcast where I'm like, okay, 1999 got it wrong with we'll Analyze this.
1: Uh yeah, and so yeah, like I'm saying, I'm I very much in agreement with a few. The weird thing is that like the year after this you have another De Niro comedy that's a surprise hit, uh, Meet the Parents, and I've watched, I've rewatched that relatively recent, recently, and it holds up a whole lot better. Than, I like that one quite a bit. This. Yeah, I actually, I yeah. actually,
0: go back to that one for like, a, if I just want something pleasant. Uh, now, discounting the the sequels entirely, but yeah, that first Meet the Parents, I, I feel like that's the De Niro comedy. That's him taking on his persona. That's what I want to see, um, and. I think it's because it's the opposite of analyze this. They take that very, very high concept of, uh, that everyone can experience to a certain extent as far as meeting your your in-laws, and they just really, really like mm-hmm. dive into yeah. it. I mean, that's the premise of it is that like entire weekend really, and uh, it escalates to a point which is is usually pretty good in comedy to have that escalation. But here, the the escalation to thriller sequences, um, I just I just did not get, especially from Harold Ramis. I'm I'm not entirely familiar with his. Filmography. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Groundhog Day, Ghostbusters, uh, but I can't. Uh,
1: I need National to pull up. National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, I despise. Uh, oh, those. come on. I, I have. Multiplicity? Multiplicity?
0: I think I saw it as a kid, but you know, I don't it's really hysterical. remember. Hysterical. Memory. Um I, I hate Chevy Chase. I'll just say that. So like anything with Chevy Chase, I just I just don't wanna see. Um so yeah, I've tried tried watching the vacation stuff, just doesn't work for me.
1: I'm sure Chevy Chase is a horrible human being, but I mean he's very funny in a lot of those early movies. I don't think so. I, I cannot I stand so. his
0: face. I cannot <laughs> stand his mugging and hamming. Like he is just Atrocious to me. I don't know. My wife is a huge fan of the Christmas vacation. Like that's when she wants on. Oh, yeah. That's the, whole the best season. one. That's the best. And one. I mean, we had a, like a legitimate fight about it. Cause she was like, Shame she, on was, you. Well, she was like <laughs> laughing and enjoying herself. And I told her, I, I'm going to have to leave the room. Cause I, I'm getting like, you know, I, these, this, I'm seeing red. Like I want to hurt something because I can't stand this dude's face. And uh, she, you know, she probably had a more legitimate claim, saying there's something wrong with you, not with Chevy Chase. There's but.
1: definitely something wrong with you. I mean, when, when aside from Chevy Chase, and I know we're going, because we're going to go off and talk about a movie that I really like, um, Christmas Vacation. Um, you know, <laughs> when. when When they look to Aunt Edna and they, and they say, Oh, oh, uh, oh, Aunt Edna. And she goes, Oh, did I break wind? Like, it's hysterical. Um, you know, uh, you have to be somewhat giving to, you know, to comedies. I think Harold Ramis, uh, is very underrated as, as a director. I think Groundhog Day is like a legitimately, um, great movie. Um, and then the rest of his films are, are all, for the most part, ones that I really like. Uh, Multiplicity, I think it's funny. Uh, Stuart Saves His Family is one that bombed, really uh, bombed badly and kind of killed off the SNL movie thing for a little bit. Um, but it's a good movie. It's a legitimately good movie. Uh, Bedazzled is okay. Uh, and then Natural Impulse Vacation and Caddyshack, both both very good movies.
0: I will agree that uh, Bedazzled is Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I yeah, I'm. Uh,
0: I guess this is probably uh, bad for our listeners that we were in such uh, agreement on analyze this. Uh, so I'm going to ask you: Did you see the uh, the follow up analyze that?
1: I don't think I ever did. I remember the 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 gag with him singing um, "I'm so pretty" from West Side Story in the trailer, and that's about it. Um, so I, I I never saw it. That's probably the only Harold Ramis movie I haven't seen. I even saw Year One.
0: Yeah, I didn't did not see that one. Uh, I apologize to Michael, Sarah, but yeah,
1: another high concept there that just mm-hmm.
0: didn't just didn't work for me. I have a question about this film. Why is why is the film in such a rush to have every single supporting character immediately know that Billy Crystal is working with this gangster? Like, I mean, like the son, uh, the fiance. Like, it's like it's the first scene they have with Crystal. Uh, after De Niro enters the picture, it's like, oh hey, so a big gangster, huh? That's who you're working with. I, I did not. I, I felt like they were, mm-hmm. yeah, they were in a big rush, and those, those are you know easy comedic beats you could hit with that that sense of discovery of of who this, you know, this sort of nebbish, uh, sort of overly concerned, worried guy, unhappy guy, Billy Crystal, which I did like. Uh, he's unhappy with his work, is doing something exciting and somewhat dangerous, and they just. They just negate that entirely by having everyone in on the joke uh before Crystal is able to deliver the 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 punchline. I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand those choices.
1: I had the same thought. I mean, it's funnier, it's a funnier movie if De Niro has to hide the fact that he's seeing a psychiatrist. But instead, yeah, you're right. He's he's telling everyone. And instead of De Niro having to go to the psychiatrist, um, you know, it's him sending his henchmen to go to go get him. And that's a lot less funny. Um, I really hate that scene, um, where his henchman, you know, goes there, uh, who's, who's a good character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff, um, at, at literally at Crystal's wedding, um, as they're walking down the aisle. And, and it's not funny. It's really not funny. Like it doesn't, uh, play the way you would expect it to. And I don't know. Can we go into spoiler territory a little sure. bit? Or Yeah. Um, yeah. so final warning for, you know people who haven't seen analyze this but want to um yeah, the third act melts down completely for me um w- so stupid to have crystal pretend to be the mob boss or whatever it doesn't make any sense uh like like it's a completely stupid um you know scenario, and it's not funny again, it's not funny, like it's just crystal like kind of mimicking the things he's seen from De Niro earlier and, and it does like the movie doesn't take it a little bit further. Um And then again, with this ending uh that happens after that, Uh don't you think Paul Vitti would put two and two together and realize that Dr. Sobel is the one who, um, you know, who ratted him out to to the FBI. Like that doesn't make any sense to me either. There's,
0: there's, too much from the characters in play here. I'm totally fine with Dr. Sobel being the one to put his life into a certain degree of danger, uh, because they've established that he's he's bored professionally. Uh it's not very fulfilling. I don't understand why the uh the mobsters are so uh willy-nilly uh with their, I guess you would call them plans. Um, because they they established Chaz Palmatari as some sort of threat to De Niro early on. Uh, and and he's aware of this. Uh, there's a phone call sequence where he's he's trying to sort of manage it, but you know it ends in 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 cursing and threats. And yeah, bringing Crystal in at the end. Um, I don't know. I feel like the film it it really ends when De Niro has that choice on shooting him or not, where he's you know the Crystal's character has worked with the FBI and then changed his mind. Uh, and they're they're both you know they're both being played against one another. And after that, I I kind of wondered what we were still doing. Uh, I agree with you on that wedding sequence. I, I'm just sort of actively angry at the film. Uh, not that I like the Kutro character, but you already had one wedding where someone's thrown off a building. And okay, what's done is done. You know that there was that uh, that couldn't be helped. But here you just have this very stupid thing where they're getting ready to say I do, and you can't wait yeah. two seconds. I, I just. <laughs> It's not funny. It's just sort of mean spirited uh, to the Cendro character and to and to Crystal, and uh, and you know it also calls into question. It's like, what is you know Doctor Subwell here? What is he protecting? Like, does he care so little for the woman he's going to spend the rest of his life with that he's he will ruin her day twice? And he's like, well, I got to go help out my mob buddies. I I don't know. Uh, the film introduces threats, uh, and then almost immediately negates those threats, and then they introduce new threats. I don't know. It's just. It seems it feels like something that has been worked over too much. And I did read that De Niro and Crystal did have a pretty um, extensive hand in shaping the film. De Niro in particular, like there were multiple scenes that were sort of reshot um, after he sort of saw them and didn't you know, deem them not working. So I, it, it does feel like that. Watching it, I felt like there were there were too many cooks in the kitchen here. And uh it just it is missing a voice. It's just I don't know. It it is all over the place.
1: You know, it's possible that people don't hold uh multiplicity in as high a regard as <laughs> as I do. And so it is maybe, possible. <laughs> maybe Ramus is coming into this as, oh, I've had two bombs um with Stuart Saves' family and multiplicity and we have to kinda, you know really make a uh you know commercial comedy that that functions um you know and and it's a hit so maybe that's the, the deal and it's weird because yeah it played well uh upon initial release but um both you and i are having the same reaction and i'm an easy laugh i'm a very easy laugh
0: i don't think that's true i think you're i think you have very specific comedic taste there um I'm looking at the reviews and, you know, we talked on a previous episode. It's it's really hard to judge these films almost two decades old on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so I try to go to the top critics and, you know, it's it's sort of I mean, it's about half and half, really, if you if you narrow it down to the, the big guns at the time. Um, but I mean, the one thing that probably, as we said, wouldn't play as well. A lot of people are citing the fact that De Niro is so good here and they, they enjoy seeing him uh, in a comedy but, yeah, some people do, do bring up that it's, um, uh, it's very sitcomish, um, and that the, the chemistry is off. And I, I don't know if it's the, the chemistry with the actors. I just think it's the, the material is just, is just too conflicted on what it wants to be. But, um, it's yeah, under- it made me want to watch The Sopranos again. <laughs>
1: Uh, not really. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I mean, I like it a lot. Uh, but that's, it's a big commitment. Um, (laughs) but, you know, this project, this podcast is a pretty big commitment. Well, yeah, but this is going to, at the end of it, it's, I think, you know, it's going to probably be worth something. We're going to feel like we really accomplished something. Maybe. Um, and, (laughs) you know, with, uh, with this movie, it is funny because you keep bringing up the Rotten Tomato scores and everything. It is interesting how, general perception uh you know can change just from not having that. Like in general, I remember there were some critics that liked this, some critics that didn't, and that it was a big hit. That it was, you know, that it ended up being, you know, a a movie that people were talking about throughout most of the spring, um, which I think is fair. And, you know, movies function differently. Very fair. They didn't just come into theaters and disappear three weeks later. Um, I know. have something
0: on that. I'm glad you mentioned that I, because I had an opportunity to see this and, you know, I I told you earlier as a jaded cynical teenager, I thought this is uh, a movie. Uh, even then it was a movie for old people. Um, uh, Whereas now I, I may be more, well, I, I still skipped the Zach Braff thing, but if, if De Niro and Crystal did something else, I, w- I would probably wouldn't feel that way. But I remember distinctly my uh, parents and grandparents uh, going to the movies and of course being 16 Uh, oftentimes I'm dragged along and I was ecstatic, love movies and I passed. I went, uh, with my younger brother to go see go, which I believe came out mid to late April. And this is an early March release. Uh, and it was still, it was still like Mm -hmm. the movie to see. It was still something adults would be like, Oh, I've I've heard this is really good. I'm going to go see it. And, uh, I, yeah, that is something that, um, it just, that would not happen uh, now. A high concept comedy Almost two months in, still being the number one choice uh, for for adults to go see.
1: It was a it was a kinder, gentler America. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I've
0: said, <laughs> I've heard you. I don't know if you've said it on a podcast, but I know either on on Twitter or Letterbox at some point, I've seen you put this thought out there that I really like, and I don't see it discussed enough. Is that there's just too many fucking movies now. Mm-hmm. There's just too too many, just too too many options. Uh, where I do feel like you need to have you do need something to be a part of the culture in the sense where you can you can say like okay i, I have time to breathe time to catch up on that and have c- conversations ab- about this this thing that a lot of people put a lot of work into a lot of time and i mean now it's you know if it doesn't go straight to to iTunes it's still you know barely breathes for 2 weeks before it's it's something on and most people didn't even see it then
1: yeah so i'm glad you said that cuz i have something to add to that but I didn't prepare. I didn't have it up. Uh, but do you know how many, what the number of theatrically released movies was in
0: 1999?
1: No, do yeah. I did not. It was 385 according to Box Office Mojo, which is pretty accurate, pretty accurate going back to like the, to like 1980 or so. Now, if you were to go to last year, um, guess how many movies were theatrically, theatrically released? <sighs> You don't really have to guess I, I we but we needed a pause. we'll say six hundred how
0: about that you're uh, close,
1: close, very close, yes. seven hundred and thirty five so there's almost twice the amount of movies being released to theaters, despite the fact that that fewer and fewer people are are going to to theaters and certainly not going to see a wide variety of movies these days. People tend to focus on those twenty five you know big. Uh, wide releases the uh, the Marvel movies and the animated movies and stuff. Um, so isn't that just kind of ass backwards? Like doesn't like this like this isn't a functioning model to you know you don't keep giving people a product when when they're not uh, buying it like like you you change you you do something differently.
0: Well, I'm, I am hoping. That, I mean, and this sounds cruel, I guess, because a lot of people are making money off of it. But uh, I am hoping that the bubble bursts. Uh, at some point, with Netflix, Amazon, what have you, this uh, bidding up uh, just to have content for their their services. You know, for Amazon, it's it's to get you just sign up for Prime, so you'll buy you know toilet paper or whatever on there. You know, the 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 movies is just sort to lure you into like an annual contract with them, uh, and that you know it's just I I do want things to be pared back a little bit. I mean that's this there's just not enough because you know one thing you didn't mentioned with those numbers, I mean, just folks down theatrical, that's not even counting the stuff that goes straight to mm-hmm. straight to streaming. Uh, and I mean, sure, certainly there was straight to video then, but it was not to the extent that what Netflix and, and Amazon and all these other services are, are doing as far as putting money in and stuff that's trying to clamor for eyeballs and attention. And, uh, it, it sucks. I mean, there's just, you know, you, you need this stuff to be paired back because it's, it makes a lot of this stuff have no real value. Like I just today I was, on my Facebook feed, I I just happened to scroll up and I immediately I don't know who invited me to one of those movie groups, but I immediately left the group because I saw someone, they were they were sort of lamenting uh, a new release because it wasn't going straight to Netflix because they, movies were too expensive now and it's it is this consistent devaluing of stuff. As I said, you know even something like Analyze This, I didn't really care for it, but I'm happy that something that you know these things take so many years to get in front of an audience. I don't really like this idea that stuff needs to be available immediately for us to watch maybe for 10 minutes and then disregard and turn on an episode of orange is the new black. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it, it needs to be respected in a certain way that it, it's not now.
1: Well, yeah. When you go to see a movie in a theater, you know, you are, you are a captured audience um you know you don't get to turn it off and uh, like you said um and i think yeah you, david lynch kind of rebelled against that idea with the dvd release of Mulholland drive that there's no uh chapter markers which mm-hmm. like you didn't want people watching part of it and then leaving and and watching it again or whatever um and yeah it's just funny i feel like that's become such a lame excuse uh to say that you don't want to go to the movie theaters because of how how expensive it is um, in the middle of the country, it's a lot cheaper than you would expect it to be uh when I was in Utah when I was stranded in Utah last <laughs> september i saw I saw a bunch of terrible movies and they were all shitty uh for the most part, but it was like four it was like three fifty for a matinee four fifty for an evening um same thing where my dad lives it's super cheap and i i mean i I'm not sure what the deal is there uh if it's just the cost. Then why aren't movies insanely popular in these parts of the country where, I mean, I don't know, whenever I'm with my dad, I feel like there's nothing to do. So uh, <laughs> I would think movies would be very popular there. Uh, but
0: <laughs> I, I guess it's just something where, you know, we have so many really nice uh, devices to consume content that a lot of people think nothing about, you know, dropping hundreds up to like, you know, a thousand dollars on an iPhone or a a nice tablet um to consume that content but it's they, they get really picky when it comes to you know a 2 hour film that employed a lot of people and uh, a lot of work went into so, cuz yeah I'm the same I mean in Kentucky if I wanted to if I really wanted to cut corners I just go you know all day Tuesday it's like 6 mm-hmm, bucks mm-hmm. you know that's I would just go once a week because uh and, and see a couple movies and I'm out 12 dollars but um I yeah I, I don't know um It's weird. Uh, I I feel like uh, you and I, I I like the way this episode went that we didn't have too much nice to say about (laughs) analyze this. So we're like, all right, we got to talk about, we'll talk about something else. But uh, uh, we were both, uh, I guess we're both happy that it was able to have uh, a few months, uh, a moment in the sun back in 1999 for analyze this.
1: I wish in general. Yeah, we would, we, that that would happen, that a movie could just play in theaters for a while. Um, because you know, that was the thing is that older family audiences and everything, they don't rush out on opening weekend, you know, because they have jobs, hopefully, Um, you know, and unlike the Marvel fanboys who, you know, are <laughs> aging into their 50s and 60s uh, and, and doing God knows what, Um, you know, so they don't rush out to the theaters. So they give it a few weeks, see if word of mouth picks up. That concept never doesn't exist anymore. And so you get. Um, I think I think I think quality suffers because of that.
0: Yeah, I always uh, approved of the uh, previously. I guess they were the midnight releases, and I guess for unfortunately for security reasons, uh, mass shootings, they they sort of uh, went to Thursday nights, seven o'clock, or Thursdays at ten for the those those showings. But for for stuff like that, when I was seeing those those bigger releases, uh, we're recording this the night of um, the new Alien film. If that was one that I was going to see, I certainly would not go see it tonight with the uh the nerd fest in tow but yeah later on next tuesday would be what i would be uh that would be when i would go to see it but i don't know it's just uh doing this project is as you said it's fun it is it is fulfilling in a way but uh it's also kind of depressing and I, I know where you stand on theatrical releases uh and it's strange uh since we started doing this podcast i don't i don't think i've seen um Anything theatrically, which I know we're entering the, the movie season, but it is a weird bit of time travel for me that watching these 1999 movies, those are my sort of new releases for the for the week. And it's, it's kind of interesting because it is kind of fun to go back to that and sort of treat this is what the, the big release is for the week, is analyze this.
1: Yeah. I mean, same thing for me. I haven't really been seeing anything theatrically. Um, I'm tempted by Alien Covenant. I don't want to see it and then like it. And then be told how stupid I am uh, by everyone <laughs> for liking a movie, uh, which was which getting was getting pretty demoralizing, uh, quite frankly. So
0: I don't think we did that to analyze this fans, did we? On this episode, I, think I we would were... hope
1: not, because honestly, I could see this being a movie that someone could watch and just enjoy for you know face value. I just wanted to represent my perspective, which is that you know, oddly enough, I enjoyed it uh, in that same way when I first saw it, watching it now. You know, it's it's definitely not – it's definitely no – it's no multiplicity. It's no multiplicity.
0: Well, to keep it uh, within this year in our show, uh, in a previous episode, it's definitely no office space. I don't feel like it's had any particular scenes that have lasted in the, the lexicon. Analyze this. Other than De Niro's continued uh, pursuit of comedic roles, I don't really know if there's something that I've missed out on having not seen a, a particular reference to this film.
1: Yeah, I mean I would have to agree, you know. All right, come come, we, come we went, back next ne- week when we shit on more things that you like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie podcast. We've got to we've got to establish that. So yeah, that's what we'll do. Uh, next week will be Cruel Intentions. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's one that there's uh, going to be a, a huge fan base that see it as a uh, as a classic. Uh, I, I have no real idea where what people think about that that film now. Um, so that that'll be one for that episode I'll be going back to my teenage years because it was it was definitely very popular in my high school when it came out but yeah I don't know I don't know about adults holding in a high regard we'll see
1: I don't, I don't know why my, my, my parents were taking me to see cruel intentions but they did uh, so you know it'll be one that it'll be one of those for me too
0: that'll be interesting to get into all right come back uh, next week for our takedown of Cruel intentions, because that's that's what grown men should do. Let's go back to a (laughs) teen thriller romance from 1999 and destroy it. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99 from 99.